I'm sure we both sound great. From the smallest room in New York City comes a show that gives you a reason to live. We were discussing Harvey Weinstein, myself, and Valan Trubb. Hey, Valan. How are you doing, Pat? Filmmaker Valan Trubb, I should That's say. That's right. Yeah. So Har- Harvey's going to be an appropriate uh, conversation. I think so. To delve into his sleaziness. Well, you know, yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, and you have a stake in it, you know, in a way. Because yeah. you don't want it. This looks bad for filmmakers everywhere, doesn't it? Well, the thing about Harvey is why he was able to be Harvey for so long is because he was so successful as a producer. I mean, he revolutionized Hollywood. With, and then with he Miramax. also, the reason he became so successful as a producer was so he could get away with rape. Yeah. And yeah. so, <laughs> but the thing is, uh, I was just telling you with Harvey, I mean, with a lot of cases in Hollywood, it's, well, this person was famous, it was consensual, then they're just trying to get lawsuits. Harvey is one of those characters where consistently, as long as I've been working in production, you've just always heard stories about how big of a piece of shit he is. Yeah. Always. Yeah, those kind of women who will uh, falsely accuse people, I guess, are attracted to a certain type. To a now, I, I, of shit. I do believe that a lot of uh, the things that have come out against him, they can't all be true. I don't think he raped uh, 80 or 100 women, but I do think that if he's a guy who, who keeps it really close to the line, then mm-hmm. there's a boundary that's going to get crossed, right? Oh, yeah, and I think that what, what ends up happening is the women who are crying wolf are making it that much harder for the actual rape victims to get justice. You know, they say that, but I don't really think that's true. I don't think that they can ever, like, fully establish to uh, to a degree that it would make any difference that that they're, that where there's smoke, there isn't fire in this case, and that these women are, are crying wolf. How could you possibly do that? I mean, uh, it's people believe all women now, you know? So, yeah. if anything, it kind of gives it a, an extra urgency to say, like, well, yeah. I, I bet you most people don't know that... that He's only in criminal court for two women. Yeah. You know? Yeah, because those were the cases that were not, you know, I slept with him, said I would get a role and, and all that shit. It's like when a hooker, I think, sometimes will report a guy for rape because she didn't get paid enough or something. Uh, it didn't go her way. I mean, if a woman's a hooker, she already is morally dubious and, and to be, uh, you know, you highly suspect, right? And the same is true of actresses. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, that, that whole industry is just sleazy. I mean, to back it up all the way, talking about Hollywood, I mean, the whole industry is run on sex. You even watch uh, The Godfather, where they show that uh, the Hollywood producer based on Jack Warner, where he was fucking that 14-year-old and said he had all the best ass in the world, and then he lost her to the Frank Sinatra character. Oh, yeah. I mean, Hollywood was always known for this sleazy, disgusting underbelly. With his olive oil voice and his yeah, guinea chum. Yeah. And, and it's nothing new, but only now people are pretending like, oh, my God, this is really what's been happening. I mean, Hunter S. Thompson said, you know, it's it's... He had to leave Hollywood because it was the most disgusting place he's ever been to. Well, you have to admit, the pedophilia is taking everybody off guard, isn't it? Have you seen that picture of Brian Singer's pool party? I don't know if it was... I don't want to <laughs> give false information here. It's a Brian Singer at a pool party, okay. and it's just, like, naked... I don't know. They look like very young gentlemen in a pool of like red water it's just very weird very hedonistic and it's one of those things where it's how much money gets you to cross that line to like fuck island you know how many toddlers do you have to slaughter to have that much blood in a pool (laughs) because it had to be toddler blood yeah otherwise they wouldn't be able to stay hard for so long i'm sure alistair crowley said you know that's what's going to get you to meet satan 
Uh, oh, what's that? Slaughtering a toddler? Well, it's Bathing all about blood, blood and all that stuff. I, yeah. I read a lot about that. I mean, I love Eyes Wide Shut, so I oh. love the sort of connection between wealth and the occult. Yeah, and it's real. It seems real. It seems very real when you look at Pizzagate, which, you know, is, is a lot of people say that, like, people who believe in Pizzagate are nuts. Explain what the fuck they're talking about to me in those in those emails. But here's the thing, you know, about Pizzagate saying, oh, it's bullshit, it's bullshit. But then we get Jeffrey Epstein. And obviously what the fuck he was doing was very similar to what they were discussing. Uh-huh. So it's, you can discredit Pizzagate all you want. But here we have someone who actually was doing shit and people still don't want to talk about it. Yeah. Who, who didn't kill himself. And yeah. yeah. And he was murdered. Uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, you, by all appearances, he was murdered by somebody who was very highly placed and able to mm-hmm. do it. Uh, very connected yeah. uh, and so, yeah, to law enforcement and things. Yeah. So someone who has some connections in government. It's really it's really shocking, you know. But, the, the, you know, they'll, they'll tell us whatever they need to if a guy has to die. And we'll believe whatever they tell us. If they never tell us different, then that's what's on the record, right? Yeah. We can go around saying, uh, you know, Epstein didn't kill himself all we want, but uh, they, they don't give a fuck. Well, they, they, they made sure to show us Epstein's neck. And then I was watching Darren Hernandez documentary, and he hung himself in his cell. And the only thing I can think of was, can we look at uh, Aaron Hernandez's neck and compare the two? That's what I wanted to do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Aaron, Aaron Hernandez, the New England patriot who uh, I guess was convicted of murder and then at some stage uh, in his incarceration killed himself big time. Now, his neck looked pretty fucked up, I'm sure. I don't know. You, well, they that's showed it, I'm right? I, I didn't see. I tried to find pictures of that. Of Hernandez? Yeah, of his neck. Oh, I see. But they and showed Epstein. They showed Epstein's neck. And They're like, see, this is his neck. I'm like, I want to see the neck of someone who we know hung themselves. You know? That's a very good That's a very good thing to do. You're right about that. Yeah. I mean, well, they have like med- a medical examiner guy. Now, the thing is, he's hired by the family, but who the fuck else is going to hire him? You know what I mean? An independent person came in and said like, no, this is not, this doesn't seem like a suicide because a couple of bones are broken in here. Yeah. The And like, he basically had a roll of paper towels to hang himself with. So on suicide watch. On suicide. Well, he was off suicide watch. Off suicide watch. He was off suicide right. watch, but the guards were. He was off watch. There was nobody watching him at all. He was not being monitored apparently, and uh, the cameras weren't working. Suddenly, holy shit! The most high profile prisoner. And and they deleted. They deleted the recording of the first suicide attempt. Oh, they deleted it. Yeah. Okay. This sounds like a bad movie. Like, it sounds like a very bad movie. Yeah, if you everything's were, too convenient. If, if you were editing the screenplay, you would have a red, your red pen would be through all these things. Yeah. No, that's not believable. And yet, you know, here we are. I mean, like, nobody really knows what happened to Kennedy precisely, except, you know, the, the gunman, I guess, or gunmen. Right? Well, so, that's, I mean, that's, that's what I always say. Ago. Yeah, like, when we people talk about conspiracies and what they know and what they don't know, we don't know who killed Kennedy. So let's not start pretending like we know anything. You right. Know? But but we kind of know that Hillary killed Epstein. <laughs> I don't think Hillary cl- uh, killed. For the record, I don't think, yeah, I don't think she killed. I don't even think she ordered the hit. I think it's people in that circle who didn't want information getting out. And Okay. Well, I'm pretty sure she didn't want certain things getting out. But I think that, yeah, there's probably people who work either for her or who she or who are for higher than her yeah right i don't think she's that powerful i think she's a pawn when you think about it yeah she's talent believe it or not somehow yeah Yeah. seems like she's kind of she goes uh, out there smiles yeah awkwardly (laughs) she smiles i'm gonna edit all that out The violent Brooklyn pimp who was convicted last year of dismembering his prostitute girlfriend dismembering 
his prostitute girlfriend and keeping her head in his freezer was sentenced to four to eight years in prison on Friday after hearing a statement from the victim's family in which they branded him an evil monster. Well, we, we could see that coming. They weren't going to say, uh, you know, all things considered, you're not a bad guy. He was misunderstood. We believe in your ability to change. You had a hard childhood. 42-year-old Samori Moses, uh, that's the guy's name, convicted in November of negligent homicide for the January 12, 2017 killing of 32-year-old Leandra Foster, who I guess was a hooker, and concealing her uh, dismembered corpse, disposing of portions in the boogie trash dump and keeping others in his freezer. I guess maybe he uh, had a soft spot for some of these body parts. Uh, maybe he likes to have a souvenir, or maybe he was just planning on disposing of them otherwise. You know, you never know when you're going to want to thaw out a, <laughs> a, piece of, a piece of your dead hooker girlfriend and uh, reminisce. I just recently cleaned out my fridge, and I'm curious, is it the same way for these killers where it's like after like eight months, they're like, well, I'm just never going to use that. I should just probably toss it out. Yes. Uh, uh, Brooklyn uh, jury let Moses, who is a registered sex offender, who went by the handle Sugar Bear. This guy is aces straight across the fucking board, in my opinion. They let him skate on a second-degree murder charge when it handed its verdict, which means he can spend no more than eight years in prison for his ghoulish deed. That's that's the maximum, I guess, for negligent homicide. That's something. I wonder why. Uh, I wonder, I'm sure that there's details, obviously, that we don't know, but it, it, based on what the New York Post is telling us. You may be able to help me here uh, because I'm curious, the whole registered sex offender thing. Someone commits a crime, they... They, they get registered. What does that actually mean? Like, how does it actually affect your life? Well, there's certain places that you're not supposed to go. But but if you go there, unless someone there knows you're a registered sex offender and raises the alarm, what's going to happen? Theoretically, they could just go to well, parks wherever they want, you know, they could. schools and just loiter, you know. And yeah. what, what does it really mean, the, the label of sex offender? I what think does it actually do? I think they're required to disclose it at certain times, and I don't know when it would be, if it would be uh, at, at to your employer, uh, maybe. And if you're registered, you probably also then are monitored in a way that you wouldn't otherwise be, I assume. You know, it could be that having a registered sex offender is basically what it is. When you you know when you get on the elevator and there's a button that doesn't do anything, it's supposed mm-hmm. to shut the doors. Yeah, that's maybe what what the registered sex offender status is. It <laughs> makes us feel better because we think we're doing something, but we're really not. Yeah, it doesn't really do anything. But that's what I'm be. saying. It's, I mean, it's a yes. pretty heinous crime. You know, I mean, yeah, there's cases where a 17 year old and an 18 year old sleep together, and based on the law of the age, statutory rape that could mm-hmm. ruin a life. Yeah, but you know, someone who's that's the exception. Yeah, someone yeah. who's who's actually committed acts of rape and stuff like that. I feel just having an arbitrary label on them, you know, something something needs to actually impact their life. Yeah, I think you may be right. Some sort of a, a probation type thing, at least, where, where where if you don't go, you become. Now, it might be that, too. Maybe there's some kind of a court-mandated uh, meeting that they're supposed to go to or a, uh, I don't know, some kind of treatment. But uh, it, it, it seems as if they don't really get caught for not registering alone. It's like that's included in something else. So maybe it just adds. Uh, it doesn't seem to have added anything here, though. I mean, if he can spend no more than eight years on that charge, they probably use it as a bargaining chip. It is the court's hope and intention, uh, you know, that you serve uh, the full eight years, no less. And that was uh, violent. Brooklyn uh, Supreme Court Justice Ruth Schillingford 
So uh, she gave Moses two four-year sentences on each count. Are they running concurrently? That must be it. The admission with respect uh, to the physical abuse that he rained down on her, uh, as if it's, of course, part of the game. <laughs> it's part of what you do. I suppose that's uh, that was part of his defense. That's I'm a, I'm a pimp. She a hoe. So I, I got to make sure that she knows who the boss is. I suppose uh, that served to dehumanize her when you took four hours to decapitate and destroy her. Yeah, now she has no head, so, you know, she really has no value to the guy now at this point. Once she's dead... Well, it takes a while to, to remove someone's head. Does you know, it? It's, it's, I could imagine. I mean, I've never cut a head off. It of, depends on God. Look at the, gui- the, logs. the guillotine, yeah. just like, you know, I mean, it's this gone. This guy does not have a guillotine. <laughs> He's an enthusiast. He only likes analog stuff. You know? <laughs> Maybe he sawed it off with a sharp stone yeah, or something. He had like a like... vinyl spinning. You know, he likes that old stuff. <laughs> what do you think? I mean, like you've cut logs, but I, I think that a person's neck is generally more pliable, especially a woman's neck, than a log. I well, would hope. somewhere in between. But, but once they the... die, rigor mortis maybe makes it a little tougher. All I'm saying is there's definitely takes long enough where at some point you're you're thinking to yourself, I'm cutting through a person's head. Something has to be, like when they say a monster, that's the monster aspect of it. It's not like he accidentally, you know, fell asleep at the wheel and hit someone. It's he he killed someone and then spent time dismembering the body. Well, that's just because he didn't want to get caught. I'm sure he didn't revel in it. Maybe he did. But I bet you if he smoked cigarettes... I bet you while he was cutting the head off, he was smoking cigarettes. With like the latex gloves. Yeah, he just would be, right? Just snaps out the Sopranos. (laughs) You know something? Uh, The body doesn't bleed once it's dead either. It doesn't like bleed the way... heart stops pumping. Yeah, so it doesn't like, you know, people, not everybody realizes that it doesn't make the mess you would think it would. Um, It kind of stays where it's at. There's going to be obviously some slosh, Mm -hmm. but, you know, uh, so you want to guard against that. And all they need is a speck and you're cooked. Nowadays, it's so much harder to get away with things like this, you know. Well, with a lot of even robbing a bank. I mean, people used to rob banks left and right. Yeah. And well, the, you know, well now it's coming back. <laughs> but not like big ring bank robberies. Now they just walk into a bank like, give me $300. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's true. I, I thought that bank robberies were like what I saw in the movies, you know, yeah. dog day afternoon. You Everybody hit the fucking floor. Yeah. And then you clean out the vault. You make millions of dollars. You yeah. have one big score. You get a sex change. Uh, for John Cazal, and you go to <laughs> Wyoming. <laughs> no, no, no. Now they go. They're like, give me three hundred dollars. They cross the street. You know, get some pancakes. The guy made guy made two thousand dollars on several robberies. Uh, you know, recently, last month, actually, this uh, this it was Woodbury. You know what I mean? Though he's yeah. the one you've read about. I'm sure yeah, he got yeah, away yeah. with all the bank robberies, and like uh, that's not enough. That's not enough. It sort of feels like they've become like CVS, where they know people are going to be shoplifting a little bit here and there, so they just let it slide. It goes it, like it's in there, you know, the way they itemize stuff and, and inventory. They're would, like it's leakage. Just, <laughs> is that nationwide now that with the CVSs? You think? I mean, do, do, can people in any town just like walk out of stores with drugstore stuff and and nobody stops them? It's more than just old people stealing batteries. I definitely know that much. <laughs> we have. Uh, it, I've talked to. You know what's weird? You keep going into the same local CVS uh, time after time. You become you become friendly with the overnight staff. Yeah. And they'll tell you, like, yeah, man, people just walk out of here with so much shit, and they won't let us do anything about it. And, I mean, it's like the cops have to be there. And even if they're there, there was one guy who was, like, walking. He, was, he, he walked out with some shit, and they just made him give it back. 
that was it. That's like what I would do with my kids. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, put it back down. Well, okay. I mean, Jesus, it's really, it's, okay, so four hours it took to decapitate and destroy her. I told you. Yeah. Dehumanizing was probably, it probably is easier to, well, first of all, you know, she's not only a hooker, right? She's also his girlfriend, so the dehumanizing has already, you know, fully taken effect. I wonder if, like, a girlfriend of a pimp has, uh, you know, the same kind of girlfriend power, and now she's just off the clock so she can, like, actually hold the remote every once in a while. You know what I mean? How much power do you think she has in that relationship as the girlfriend of a pimp as opposed to just, like, when she punches in, she's the hooker, and now he gets to hit her or whatever, you know? Well, I've read Pimp by Iceberg Slim, and Uh. the whitest, whitest uh, description (laughs) that I can imagine going into this. Uh, it's, it's not really like a boyfriend, girlfriend relationship. It's more so, uh, pimp, uh, sort of a hooker John relationship, except the pimp is the hooker. The way the hooker gets money from the John, the pimp gets the money from the hooker before they fuck. Oh, okay. That's so, so, so like a pyramid scheme. <laughs> And the more of them you have. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. You recruit me a bitch. That's a great book, by the way. I recommend it. Pimp by Iceberg Slim. Everybody who listens to this show has read it already, I'm sure. Uh, But thank you for the recommendation. Iceberg Slim's Pimp. Uh, So I guess if if, uh, she doesn't have any increased status, necessarily, uh, it's like she's bringing her work home with her, I guess. You know, I mean, like if you're... if Being a hooker is like a 24-hour job, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, 24-7, 365, and how do you think you would deal with that if you were, like, sort of, you know, affectionate, cared for, in in whatever manner a pimp cares for a hooker that that he uh, owns? You know, would you be... I would have a hard time with, like, jealousy, I think, you know what I mean? Like, uh, and you know, some other guy is wearing out uh, the pussy that he's renting, you know, like I don't even want to have an Airbnb in my apartment if I go out of town, you know? <laughs> so do you, could you handle that as a, maybe it takes a special person to be being a pimp. pimp. Well, and, and just that aspect or, or of it. I mean, the, the jealousy aspect of having a pimp that you care for, that you fuck, that, that other people are renting. No, I, I wouldn't, but that's not my business, you know, and I, I wouldn't want to you have mean it's human not your... beings be my business. Right. I mean, because buying and selling the, yeah, flesh. The, the hooker pays for the relationship with the pimp. Yeah. It's sort of like imagine, you know, you're you're married, so, but you have to pay your wife for the pleasure of being married to her. Oh, yeah, okay. So, right. I think I see what you mean. It's like you're, uh, it's, it's a public workspace kind of thing. Yeah. Where you pay for the right to work there. And in her case, she, it costs her a little bit of money to do business. Mm-hmm. And, um, because you need it's like insurance it's like it's yeah. like business and owners insurance or something very interesting how this all works i'm glad that we have uh valan trub here who has read iceberg slim's pimp uh because otherwise i'd have to give dante nero a call and uh, i need to do that anyway i bet he could weigh in on this but you know dante it was a pimp i know an ex-pimp really yeah he, he used to be a pimp so he, un- he has a certain understanding of women that most of us don't have and it's you know it, it it it's not always especially flattering, but uh, it I think that he fully believes that it's one hundred percent real. Let's read more. After Schillingford meted out her finance assistant DA, you know Sabia Madney, she read a victim impact statement from the Foster's family, in which they said they are left with uh, Foster's final moments of agony and terror. 
She was reduced to the girlfriend of an evil monster. See, they don't get it. Uh, the statement read, Moses dressed in a white T-shirt, and uh, and this is what he was wearing at court, a white T-shirt and tan jail-issue pants. He didn't visibly react to the sentence. He answered, no, ma'am. When Schillingford asked if he had anything to add, I suppose by then you're just like, yeah, let's just get the sentence started and, you know, why fuck around? His lawyer argued throughout the trial that Foster was using meth in the hours before her death and that she was assaulted by a John who solicited her service in the Flatbush apartment where Moses and Foster lived together. This makes me think, if they legalized uh, prostitution, that? would it make life better for her? Or would it just push her out of the job with more competition from other women? That's a good question. Yeah, would it make it like, okay, so now our conditions can be sort of out in the open and we can... Yeah, uh, and it we becomes can, more of a desirable job. Or will there be so many women doing it that good luck, man, because yeah. now these little office bitches are selling that pussy. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they're choosy and people know it. And, uh, you know, we are skanks. I think that uh, it's never a good idea to allow women to put a formal price tag on pussy because they'll fix prices... They work together on things. It's like OPEC will be dealing with, you know. I mean, it's like the Arabs sitting on the oil. They're sitting on all the pussy, 100%. I feel as if it's going to create a lot of issues. <laughs> it's funny how quickly you become a socialist when it comes to pimpography. <laughs> well, you know, some things, are, some things you should not be able to capitalize. Uh, so this theory that the lawyer was advancing is actually pretty involved. Uh, as I was saying... Uh, that, that Foster, the hooker, was using meth before her death in those hours. And, and now uh, she was assaulted by a John, actually, who solicited her services in the Flatbush apartment where the pimp and the hooker, uh, Moses and Foster, lived together. Medical examiners determined that Foster died of blunt force trauma. After the alleged attack, Moses' lawyer argued, Foster fell in the shower multiple times. <laughs> I mean, you know, she could not get her footing. Uh, during the trial, Clark denied, that's the lawyer, that Moses killed Foster, but did not dispute that her client chopped up Foster and got rid of her torso by handing it off to an old acquaintance who worked as a commercial trash hauler. Who was embarrassed by not having a proper shower mat. <laughs> That's insane. It's uh, yeah. like whenever there's a defense of someone committed suicide by shooting themselves twice in the head, like the what's that? Uh, shoot the messenger. That movie about the guy who Vince wrote Foster. No, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's another conspiracy. That one. This one was the one who wrote uh, about the CIA and cocaine. Uh, Webb, I think his name was, and he was ruled suicide after they found him with two bullet holes in the head. Hmm. Yeah. Um, at what point do you lose your license as a coroner? Probably one of those magic bullets, right? Yeah, but as a coroner, it's like... You probably lose your license as a coroner about the time you take uh, uh, the offer to stay alive and, <laughs> and say that, right? It's like, I like this offer you're making me. I say this was a suicide, and you let me live. Ah, and maybe 500... No? Okay, got it, got it. No, yeah. just, just asking. Like, is that too ballsy to ask for money when they're threatening you your life? I mean, I think you can ask. You can ask, right? Yeah. It's like a job interview, you know? Just because they're making you an offer doesn't mean you can ask for more. Right. You say, look, I mean, is, is this negotiable? Clark said that Moses, uh, who was a sex trafficker with a criminal record, who kept cocaine and a gun at his apartment, wanted to avoid getting the police involved, obviously. She's like, look, this guy's a sex trafficker, okay? He has a criminal record. He's got cocaine and a gun at this apartment. He doesn't want the cops involved. <laughs> this. 
So he decided to cut up the body and, and to conceal her murder, which the John did. And plus she fell in the shower a bunch of times over and over hit her head. I mean, it seems as if like if you fell and hit your head, uh, I don't know how many multiple times, like, uh, and, and then that last one is what, what did you in? I suppose blunt force trauma. I mean, like uh, bathtub accidents are uh, that's been alleged before by people who killed their uh, significant other. How uh, much did this lawyer cost? Is my question. <laughs> I think she was affordable to a pimp. Uh, uh, we public uh, defender. We admitted that right from the opening statements. We never deviated from that. We never denied she's dead. We never denied that she's dead and cut up, and that he did it, and that he handed the, the torso off. To it, it's you know what it just goes to show how important it is to have friends in a business like that trash hauling you know what I mean that, that you can say like hey uh, I, mean, I need to get rid of a body and the guy probably goes no hands no feet no head two grand right because well, you could uh, you could trace the fingerprints and the, that's what the, I mean the yeah. teeth yeah that's why I say that I don't yeah. know that they say that yeah. but yeah but but that way you get rid of the biggest part of it yeah you know the torso is the largest but he was keeping it in the freezer no he gave it to a trash hauler oh he gave it to the trash hauler well he probably paid him a lot of money to take it or a guy owed him a favor i would assume right i mean like some some private trash haulers are uh uh they probably find ways to you know make a little extra on the side i guess uh and that might be it the nypd is searching for a man they say dragged a woman into an alley before raping her in jamaica that's deep in Queens, way out there. And that was on Saturday evening. According to authorities, a 27-year-old woman was walking along Jamaica Avenue when the suspect, who was walking ahead of her, stopped in front of Jamaica Avenue, 16318 Jamaica Avenue. As the victim attempted to pass by, the suspect forcibly dragged her into a nearby alleyway where she was raped. EMS transported the victim to a hospital Injuries to her head, body, arms, and legs. And the suspect is described is described as a Hispanic male, 25, <laughs> uh, standing roughly 5'6". And he was last seen wearing black sneakers, dark-colored ski cap, tan vest, blue jeans, black sweater. You got that? If In case he's put together this outfit again, <laughs> uh, anyone with information in regard to this incident is asked to call the NYPD's Crime Stopper Tileline at... You know the number... It is what? 1-800-577-TIPS. 1-800-577. Or in Spanish, 1-888-1-888-57-PISTA. PISTA. Now, this is what I call rape. This, this is crime. Yeah, this and is I straight think up this should rape. be treated, as wild as it is, no different than murder. You think so? I do think so. Because, hmm. you know, I've never been raped. I don't want to pretend like I know anything about that. But I feel doing something like this to another human being is you're forcing them to live with something for the rest of their life. In a way, it's worse then. Yeah. So you're making them. So this is something they have to live with for the rest of their life. Uh, you know, the, dealing with the emotions of this and the memory. So, you know, it's not like something that goes away. It's not a scar that heals and goes away. So it's something that the criminal should have to deal with for the rest of their life as well. I think that people can uh, heal to a large degree, but but it never, I would assume, completely goes away. Well, they can live their life. Obviously, the, you yeah. know, it's not everyone who's been raped is, you know, an emotional cripple for life. No, no. I, but yeah. it's sort of like, you know, alcoholism or drug abuse. If you're an alcoholic or a drug addict, you can quit alcohol. You can quit drugs. 
but it's still something that's always in the back of your mind, something that you always know about your life. It, well, it doesn't it, go away. I think the rape would be a lot more traumatic than that normally. You know? Yeah, yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm not talking about, you know, having I mean, a good time in 1985. I'm talking about, <laughs> I'm talking about just the, the way they impact the person's life. Uh, sure. And, and you have to live so with the psychological stuff about of the, the power stuff. And, you the know, power stuff, too, would make you want to not go out anymore. Yeah. You don't seem to be able to control whether or not someone penetrates you. Yeah. And it, it also shows that really size differential, I don't know what size the victim was, but if this guy's about five, six, then Christ, you know, that's, that's not what you would call an intimidating height. But it's not about that. I mean, some people just aren't, no, what I mean you is no violent people. And then if someone threatens them with violence, they don't know how to react. It's just, you they know, rape them. Yeah. No. Well, what I mean by the fight, but like if you, if, if you're walking down the street, don't necessarily feel at ease just because somebody's a pipsqueak. Yeah. Because they can overpower you in ways. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, my wife, uh, news for Mandy Stamiller, 6'2", but if you point a gun at her, you know, she's 5'1". We all are. Uh, I don't yeah, care what anyone exactly. says. Exactly. Yeah. You're 4'11", you know? I mean, right. it's it's just, uh, they. you have no power control. or And, and speaking of pointing a gun, I hope you guys enjoyed that last episode with uh, Vicki Cooperman. I did enjoy that uh, interview myself. I hope you get a chance to listen to it if you haven't and share it if you enjoyed it. And, you know, I would like for more people to know exactly how, and as she said, uh, the prosecutors traumatized her worse than the crime. Very interesting uh, interview there. It's uh, the, the previous episode to this one, and it's called uh, Let's Blank This Bitch. This is the truest sense of rape, though. I mean, like the one yeah, we were just talking this, about. This it, is rape. This isn't on the line in any way. Yeah, you There's can't a, say this wasn't consensual where <laughs> he dragged her into the alley like, and there was something about the twinkle in his eye. We yeah. agreed to this. Yeah, <laughs> She wanted to go in the alley and fuck a stranger. And that's why I say cases like this, I feel it should be treated where, you know, because it is possible this guy will just get... Uh, you know, registered as a sex offender, and then what? Well, I mean, that's if they are fortunate enough to, to catch, catch him. him. Well, they described him as a 90s cartoon character wearing the same outfit every day. Uh, well, I mean, <laughs> they also uh, describe him as, uh, well, he's 5'6", uh, Hispanic, right? I think that's what they said. Yeah, he's a uh, uh, Hispanic male. Uh, there's a, there's a, in New York City, it's likely he's not here legally, so they have no record of him, most likely. That's very possible. And so, if they do find him, arrest him, somehow put this together, which sometimes they have cameras in places you don't know, and it could be done, uh, or maybe there's uh, DNA evidence, all these things, and they do catch him, they will do their best to prevent him from being deported. And I'm not entirely certain that he would be held on bail in this situation. Well, the new laws in New York. Though, yeah, that's what I mean. Laws, yeah. I, with the new bail law, I don't know that he would be that held. That terrifies me. Not not necessarily. Like the, the new laws in New York terrify me or the repealing of laws terrify me not because of what's happening now is frightened and disgusted I am by it, but it's a step in a direction. Yes. What's going to be next? Yeah. You know, if, if this is what we're starting, then what is going to be next? And it's obviously going to be more crime. And we just get desensitized to this stuff until and, and, you have escaped from New York. Yeah. And what does it uh, what message does it send as far as where we're, uh, you know, like what we believe, where we're going? It's um, it's concerning when, when really the values of the lawmakers in Albany who are changing the way crime happens in this city are so at odds with what anybody wants. Any law abiding person does not want this. And they... I guess it, it indicates they really feel as if they know what right and wrong is and results are incidental. Do you know what I mean? It's like they're living their life according to some ideal, like, well, nobody should have to be in jail. Well, okay, here we are. It, it doesn't really work. Well, you look at movies from the 70s and movie like Death Wish. 
Like, the reason why you couldn't put out a movie like that now and why they did a remake and it failed was, I feel, because people can't relate to it. Whereas in the 70s, you could see that sort of happening because crime was so rampant where everyone was being affected by it. Once we start getting back to that point, you're going to start seeing those movies. You're going to start seeing all that stuff. That's when people start realizing, okay, you know, you don't want to live in a dangerous environment. Right. You know, it's one thing you see something in the news we were talking about. It's like sort of you're watching a movie. It's not real. It's only when you're actually affected by something that you realize the, the the weight of it. Well, people have this romanticized notion about that stuff now. You know, they think it's all like, uh, you know, a, a wah-wah guitar and a, and a car chase and, and, you know, jumping yeah. from rooftop to rooftop. And that the criminals were kind of like, cool. And I've heard people say that. that they miss the old Times Square, the 70s Times Square. It was more fun. Yeah, I don't feel like that's actually the case. Do you? No. It was, Why it, would you miss was, such a thing? It was a violent, dangerous place. And it might have been beautiful cinematic. You know, to watch a movie like Taxi Driver. Sure. But if you have the option of living in a place like that, you don't want to live there. And I just want to point out, because I mentioned Death Wish, the one thing I didn't buy in that movie was Charles Bronson as an architect. I just want to say that. That was. <laughs> yeah. Well, point taken. You got more flies, you got more maggots. You got more lava, you got more maggots. You got more maggots. You got more maggots. And then after, if you will come back about a week later, you see that whole thing double. It'll be covered with maggots. A man gunned down his mother in a violent Brooklyn housing project, according to cops. 43-year-old man killed his mom with a gunshot to the face right there at the Sumner Houses about 8 p.m. The suspect, Jason Argentina, accused of shooting 63-year-old Deborah White, Jason Argentino then called a friend and allegedly confessed to the slaying. But the friend, actually Argentina's cousin, instead called police instead of being like, yes, you shot my cousin in the face. That makes perfect sense. The police responded. They found White, according to the accused uncle, Larry White. The accused's uncle, not the accused uncle. That was what Larry White said. Anyway, uh, Jason called his cousin and he tried to act like they were down. White, 68, told the Post. He said, oh, and his cousin said, are, are you crazy? That's my aunt. What I'm thinking is they keep accusing millennials of living with their parents. Meanwhile, this guy's, what, 43? Mm-hmm. That's Gen X. Okay. Well, that's... So I uh, want to say it's it's every generation has their uh, kids who won't fly the coop. Although this might have been his way. At least we got the guts to shoot our mothers in the face. <laughs> Guess what? Yeah, police said a gun was recovered at the scene. Argentina was taken into custody, and he had not been charged as of Tuesday night. Uh, everyone here is puzzled, Dexter Baldwin, the dead woman's neighbor, said. It's unbelievable that something like that would happen to someone like her. She was a church-going person. She used to pray for people. The dead woman's neighbor said, Dexter Baldwin, let me tell you something, it doesn't surprise me at all because those are always the people who get shot. Goddamn, you know. Yeah, it's not like she was the one doing the shooting. Like, I never thought she would have slaughtered her, her son. She was a nice <laughs> church-going lady. Yeah. She was the victim here. Right. And it's cases like this that the death penalty is a debatable subject. And it's cases like this where it's, you know, if you know clear-cut, this person shot his mother in the face. Well, you know, we know it. It sounds as if to me, yeah, that he shot her in the face. But we don't know what uh, she did to provoke him. You don't have the guts to shoot me in the face. <laughs> I dare I do, you. Mom. You're just like your dad. He never could shoot me in the face. How about, uh, yeah, maybe she was smothering him, you know, too much attention. With a pillow. It could be. We don't know. We don't know. If you're 43 living with your mom, uh, you should be smothered. Maybe, Maybe he was smothered. taking care of her, though. Maybe he was kindly. So that's that story, and, and we'll keep you posted on any uh, developments there. Jesus Christ. 
That's uh, it's it's mighty brutal. Milan, the town is getting uh, more and more what you would call uh, dangerous here. Every well, day. I said it. The the red flag was when you start seeing mob hits, and in the last few years, we've started seeing mob hits that were meant to make the news. They were meant to be public. And when you start seeing that, oh. that that's when you're like, oh, we're going back to this now. Like even the mob is getting back into the game. Yeah, like that's <laughs> like that's old what, days. what are they doing? Remember, uh, yeah, the guy you talking about like um, when the guy rolled up in front of the dude's house and we shot him. We talked about this, yeah, yeah. That, and that's when I learned, like, you know, that's how you know a professional criminal. Like, if someone's shooting at you, what are you going to do? You're going to freak out. This guy just stops, drops, and starts rolling around the car to, to avoid the bullets. Uh, yeah, no, with their, it's not my first barbecue. But there's there, there was another one too, though. Yeah, yeah, and then there was another one. You're right. There have mob been hits. some mob hits. There was the McDonald's one. Yeah, that guy was he killed his dad, is what it was. Some guy killed his fucking dad, or he had him killed. A boogie D man. Uh, this last story landed in the hospital. After his lady friend poisoned his meal with pesticide. Ooh, I'm going to have to talk about this with ex-exterminator Larry Izzo, host of the Thrill of the Kill podcast. I don't know if you've heard it yet, but if you haven't, uh, I'll give you just a little sample right here. Like, I would show up at my uncle's house. Horrible, horrible. And the first question was, uh, horrible, so horrible, you're here. horrible. Yeah, I'm here. So when you're going back? Really? I just, <laughs> just actually? Got... And then the second was, you've been to the cemetery yet? No. Oh, the cemetery. I haven't even seen everybody that's alive. Why would I go to the cemetery? That's a funny thing with Italians, though. The cemetery. They face everything. My sister makes a lunch. Yeah. They actually go the entire day. They go all over New York yeah. to uh, Holy Root Cemetery, right. St. John Cemetery, Old Cypress Hill Cemetery. Right. I used to play up in Cypress Hill Cemetery. It's ridiculous. Harry Houdini is buried They judge there. you. They judge you. They judge you. If you don't go to the cemetery, like, oh, yeah. oh, I didn't see any flowers on your dad's grave. I go, Graham, I don't go. I'll never go, okay? I don't go to the cemetery. That's just for me. I'll never go. My sister's on me all the time. You they, don't go to do, see your parents. If we do a show out there, then we'll have we'll go to the right. cemetery, okay? <laughs> but I ain't going. Flan, I, I edit this show. I, I, I am the, uh, what do you call it, producer of this show. I'm very proud of it, I, and you should check it out if you haven't. Oh, yeah. it, what it's all about is uh, Exterminator, uh, Larry Izzo's career, and he talks about all the various ways that he's killed uh, everything that crawls, everything disgusting. He's he's a lifesaver, and he's, uh, you know, what you call a, a sanitarian. Well, yeah, you know, it's and there's people who say, well, we're encroaching on their turf, where, you know, but... Then again, we're animals also. Why can't we have our own habitat? You know, I don't want snakes in my apartment building. That's right. Why do I need to uh, adopt a morality that no animal on, on the earth besides us would have? I yeah. mean, it puts us at a disadvantage. So Thrill of the Kill podcast. Check it out. It's on iTunes. Then you go in for the kill. So this guy here got his, got his uh, mm-hmm. it's quote, lady friend, poisoned his meal with pesticide. The 50-year-old man told authorities he became sick Thursday night following a dinner made by his lady friend. Not really a very friendly thing to do. Well, police said the woman later confessed to him when he started puking that she poisoned his meal with roach poisoning. Oh, my God. Believed to be boric acid. That's a chemical used for pest control uh, and treating and treating yeast infections. That I did not know. Wow, it kills roaches and pussy germs. <laughs> Jesus. I had no idea. If you have someone with, like, sprinkle a little for the roaches, a little for mama. How did they discover that is what I want to know. <laughs> was it roaches dying when they crawled up at a woman's cunt? Someone who was really bad at trying to kill his wife. 
and found that it just made everything a hell of a lot better. Wow, this is this is wild. Boric acid. I I used that stuff when yeah. I was in college. You know, it was boric acid out on the fucking floor where you can actually it, it gets kicked around. Is when you're breathing that fucking poison all the fucking time. I had no idea. You would intuitively know this because you're a Jew, yeah. and <laughs> Jews are clean. We invented this stuff. <laughs> But you guys are like, you know, I, I've found like, like you, I don't know. You, you have, a, are you Ashkenazi? Jim? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So that's the guy's a fucking genius. Gotta understand. Uh, no offense to anybody listening personally, but Ashkenazi Jews have a, on average, uh, a 10 point higher IQ, I believe. Well, you just got to do enough drugs where your brain, you know, sort of, sort of, <laughs> sort of goes down, down on, to the level of, uh, <laughs> down to goy level. <laughs> Not quite down to that goy level, but well, the man, though, he wouldn't turn the woman in, as it turns out. He, t- he told uh, cops uh, at the hospital early Friday, he doesn't want his lady friend to get in trouble. Man, this guy is really whipped. That is whipped. I don't want her to get in any trouble. She tried to kill him. Yeah, but she's a good person, generally. She did make the meal. It was very good. Didn't she Google this before, how much boric acid it would take to kill a person? Apparently, she miscalculated you know I mean, maybe she should have age yeah there's no excuse do your research sloppy poisoning lady cops were given a bottle of uh, boric acid from the man who survived the poisoning but the doctor's unsure if it was the culprit if that was the culprit of the poisoning that's interesting the, uh, the doctor's like i don't know if it was the boric acid maybe it was just her shitty meatloaf <laughs> <laughs> the man had a history of coming into the er with stomach pain uh logging nearly two dozen visits last year She's been doing this all this time. <laughs> she built up his tolerance. She fucked up. <laughs> wow. She just did it to get... She didn't even want to kill him, I think. She just wanted him to fucking be in pain. I've said it before. I'll say it again. Women, uh, they're, they're not literally disease, but they behave like one. They have all the same qualities. They, they get into through your, you know, your susceptible, low resistance to glom on and then it's just destruction tearing through tissues wreaking havoc in your system until one day you wake up and it's gone or you die i'm gonna have to vehemently deny that and i think it's a good time to <laughs> give a shout out to my wife who's listening I love she's you a lovely much. woman your wife is so Thank nice you so much she's yeah. not a she's not a disease not a chronic redecorator not a disease <laughs> Well, she's a lovely girl, and uh, uh, although I have been having these wild stomach pains recently, yeah. <laughs> can't be too careful. We better get you to a hospital. Uh, thanks, Valant. Is there anything we should be watching out for? Well, we have a secret project actually with you that we're not announcing yet. So take that. But that's a secret project. We're going to be announcing it soon. It's very exciting. It's going to ruffle some feathers. Yes. Uh, it's going to make uh, everyone else smile, which is why we're doing it. Right. Until then, watch the dirty kind. And if you get the DVD, you'll hear a commentary with Pat here. That's right, the dirty kind DVD. I'm on a DVD yeah. commentary, which I always wanted to yeah. be, and 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 such a fucking cool movie and a cool experience doing that. It was fun to make. Yeah. Watching I, my movie. And I remember you making fun of my parents' apartment, not realizing it was my parents' <laughs> apartment. <laughs> yeah, they're somehow shitty Queen's apartments. <laughs> uh, well, you know, uh, I, I'm sure that you had to set decorate it somewhat to uh, make it look the way that it looked for the, for the, the film. The budget for the film was public, so... <laughs> It was a good time. Watch The Dirty Kind. If you don't know, watch DVDs because it's 2020. You can stream it on Amazon. How about that, folks? Valon Trubb, thank you for being here. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you for listening to New York City Crime Report. That's the end of the episode. Thanks for listening the whole time. 
a quick correction. A couple of episodes back with uh, ex-exterminator Larry Izzo, I said that a homeless guy was found covered with maggots, and that was the way they reported it at first, but they changed it to bedbugs. And you know that, like, uh, there's no way that I see the word bedbug and read maggot, so sometimes stories change. Turns out it was bedbugs and not maggots. That makes a lot more sense, really, doesn't it? Also, hey, while we're here, do me a favor. If CrimeReport.nyc, if you're looking for a new... Oh, watch, I'm going to start this all over. Do you want New York City Crime Report merch? Well, the place to go is CrimeReport.nyc. Go there, check out the store. You can click it right from the front page. You'll see it. And, uh, yeah, there's some great shirts, uh, mugs, and, uh, you know, just a variety of shit like you're going to always see for any... But this, I'm telling you, is very, very cool. CrimeReport.nyc. Hey, if you're looking for New York City Crime Report merch, I've got it. Go to CrimeReport.nyc to get uh, shirts, mugs, and uh, all, all kinds of other stuff. Even like beach towels and shit. Whatever. You don't want that. But get a hoodie. All right. New York City Crime Report merchandise is at CrimeReport.nyc. CrimeReport.nyc. Crime Report.nyc. Crime Report.